If you ever needed an encouraging word from Scripture, James might not be the place to go. But he tells it like it is. He says, Our tongues are a restless evil filled with deadly poison. One of the most backwards, wrong, and misused nursery rhymes that I learned as a kid ever was, and you probably all say it with me, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'm sure if we took half a second, each one of us could think of a time that somebody has used words and they have hurt us. They can cut deeply. Words can change how we think. And so we hear others' words and we are sometimes encouraged, but sometimes we're hurt. And sometimes hearing people say things, it can even change the way we see the world or change the way we see ourselves. So if our words have this kind of power, we need to be very, very careful. I mean, if you think about the times in your life where someone has said something and it just really had an impact on you. When we hear these things, when we hear somebody either through validation or through criticism, they kind of cut to the core of who we are and it changes how we feel, it changes how we see things, it might even change how we act. And so a lot of times, you know, if there's somebody who has hurt someone with words, they try and brush it under the under the rug. You know, they're like, well, I was, I was just joking. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Why are you making this a thing? But what we hear and what we say is at the core of who we are. And the things we listen to, they have a sneaky way of becoming the things that we believe. And so we have to be careful that we speak no evil. And also to avoid listening to evil if we can help it. So in the modern era, this becomes exceptionally difficult. Used to be if somebody was saying something that you thought to yourself, well, I shouldn't have to listen to this, you could walk away and they really can't chase you. I mean, like, that would be ridiculous. But now it seems like people can make a post on Facebook and it reaches a few hundred people all at once. There are things that are are posted the The internet or Facebook is one example, but also TV or a YouTube video or blogs or podcasts. There's so many ways that people can send out a few words and reach hundreds or thousands or in some cases millions of people. One of the main choices we make in modern society is which one of those mass media broadcasts do we give our time? Who do we listen to? How do we decide which things are worth listening to? I think what we need to do is we need to set exceptionally high standards for what is worth our time and attention so that we can stay away from the poisonous words that will do nothing but hurt us. So Philippians 4 is a a verse that you know, if you did the CLC program when you were a kid, you had to memorize this somewhere around third grade. And uh, it has a, a verse that says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So look at that list one more time. Honorable, just, pure, 
pleasing, commendable, excellent, or worthy of praise. These are the things that we need to listen to, and these are the types of things we need to say, because those are the types of things that are going to help us to lead holy lives. Because that's the other half of the problem. It's not only that we need to shut off the things that are not pure or not just or not honorable or excellent or praiseworthy. We also have to admit and repent of the fact that sometimes we contribute ourselves to speech that is hateful or cruel or just straight up poisonous. Sometimes we gossip, we slander, we make jokes that aren't funny. And we would rather destroy people with what we say than build them up. We're very aware of the times that we've been victims. We're less likely to own up to the times that we've been persecutors. And so we need to be careful of what we say just the way that we need to be careful of what we listen to. And so we need to strive to say absolutely nothing that is not honorable or just or pure so that everything we say and that every word that passes our lips brings praise to God. There's a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer that is a favorite of at least some of you. And uh, he had a rule for the community, the Christian community that he, he kind of organized. And his rule was that anyone who spoke about someone when they weren't there, you had to go tell that person about the conversation when you were done. Or you weren't allowed to talk about them. Now, I imagine he made exceptions for things like surprise birthday parties. <laughs> You know, but at the same time, if you really tried to live by that rule, to never talk about someone when they weren't there, and if you did talk about them when they weren't there, to make every effort to go and tell the person and give them a recap of what you said, how would that change the way your family talks? How would that change the way our church talks? Or maybe your workplace, your classes at school. If you refused to be part of a conversation about someone who wasn't there. Because whether we like it or not, there's this, this quote from, uh, I first heard it as the intro to a song by DC Talk, which is a Christian rap group from the 90s. And it's every bit as awesome and 90s as you think it is. But the intro to the quote was this quote by Brennan Manning, who's this kind of contemplative Christian guy. And he said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyles. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And so this gets at the crux of what James was talking about earlier in the book, right? He said, well, if you do faith without works, or if you have works without faith, it's kind of a dead thing. Because if you could say you have all the faith in the world, but you go out and you speak poisonous words and you slander your neighbor and you go out of your way to be one of those people that has no love for the person sitting next to them, what is your faith worth? What do your actions make people say about Christ? Because see, Mahatma Gandhi, one of the avatars of nonviolence and resistance and love for the least, 
said, I love your Christ, but I don't love your Christians. The number one reason in America why people don't go to church is because they think that our pews are filled with hypocrites. And I know that I don't always practice what I literally preach. They're not wrong. And so we have this this deep-seated conflict where we say one thing. We say the most important thing we can do is to love God and love our neighbor the way we love ourselves. To love all people equally because God loves all people equally. And then we go out and live as if that doesn't really apply. We talk as if that doesn't really apply. We slander people when they're not there. It's hurtful. It's unchristian of us. And so we all need to aspire to control our tongues because, as James says, if we can control our tongue, we make no mistakes in speaking, then we are perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. I don't know if you've ever had something stuck in your mouth the way we put a bridle in a horse's mouth and just kind of jerk your head around. It doesn't sound very pleasant. It's not this kind, wonderful, like glowing kind of experience. But if you can learn to control your tongue, if your actions ever get out of control, you might be able to just yank yourself back on the right path. It might not be pleasant, but it sounds like it's necessary. So each conversation we have, we can choose to speak things that are noble or just or praiseworthy. It's not easy, but it is possible. I think that it's possible mostly through prayer. I think if you just sit there and try really hard to be nice to everyone, your patience will be tested by probably the third person you talk to. It just happens. But if we practice listening to God in times of quiet, where there are no distractions, there's nobody to throw us off course, no one to test our patience. If we practice listening to God when it's quiet, then we'll be able to better hear him in the middle of the chaos of our daily lives and in the middle of the poking and prodding that is living with other human beings who are just as imperfect as we are. Because if we can hear him and speak his words to encourage other people, that is excellent, that is praiseworthy, that is just, that is honorable. These are the things that we need to do. Because I know in in my experience, I often regret the things that I say when I'm focused on myself. I'd like to be better. I'd like to speak words that are pure or commendable or excellent and holy, but it's, it's difficult. And so I find myself always pulled one way or the other. And since I referenced one 90s band, I'm going to reference another 90s ska band, which is even more geeky, and you've probably never heard of them. It's the OC Supertones. But they're quoting James in this song they, they sing, that, And out of the same mouth come holy and profane. I curse all my brothers And then I bless Christ's name. I hang in the balance, but still I feel secure because I lean towards evil, but I strive to be pure. Because there's this conflict. The name of that song is In Between, and we always feel caught in between. All the way back to the, the people when Joshua says, choose now whom you will serve. Do you want to serve the Lord, or do you want to serve the other gods that you find in this land? Choose for yourself whom you'll serve. Choose life or death, living or dying, blessings or cursing. But you have a choice. We're always in between these things. 
We can speak what seems good to us at the time, or we can listen and we can speak the holy and pure and excellent and praiseworthy words of God. Because it should make us weep. But the number one reason that people don't want to come worship God alongside us on Sunday morning is that we don't live what we preach. And I don't say that just to put everyone on a downer. <laughs> like I don't just want to be depressing. But that's, those are the stakes. We need to live a life that makes people want to know God. And we can't do that on our own. It only happens by saying, God, let me speak your words. Let me not to tolerate poisonous speech around me. Help me seek to be loving even in the little things like what I say and these words that I use. Because if we say and we mean loving things, and we train ourselves to do that, what we say ends up being what we believe. And we will become a people who deep down in our souls believe that our neighbor is worthy of love and dignity and respect, and we see them as a creation of God's. It starts with obedience and repentance. And that's why we come to the table each week. Because there is always something that we can do differently. There is always some new good thing that God is calling us to. There's always some way that we have been selfish in the last week. There's always something we have left undone that God has called us to do. And so we all gather together. We pray together, we read scripture together, we sing songs together, and we remind ourselves of that calling that God has put on our lives. And we recommit ourselves to saying, God, bring me back to this. This week, make me more like you. Make me more loving. Make me more supportive. Help my speech to be pure this week. And I'll come back next Sunday and I'll ask for that again. This is the continuing ministry of the church, is this shared table and this continual repentance and sanctification and desire to be holy.